What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, a big deal for two big players, Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta. Whether you're winning seven Super Bowl championships or you're America's most awarded airline, the thing that we both share in common, we know, is that we're only as good as our next achievement. And Tom Brady. Yeah, that Tom Brady. All these things are exciting for me. You know, I've got a long second career ahead and there's a great way to kick it off. And drama on X. When isn't there? Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt on the vitriol on the social media platform. Again, we're not, I'm not engaged in a dialogue with advertisers about Twitter. What I am engaged with is keeping Jewish people safe. Plus, Amazon's run-in with regulators and America says goodbye to an icon. Were margaritas really po- popular before then? Do we credit Margaritaville for that? I don't know. It's Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. I promise you, you do not want to go anywhere. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, yeah, everybody's here. We're ready to go. Time for the school year starting. Time for everybody back to work. Let's talk about Amazon's legal team uh, not offering concessions to the Federal Trade Commission to pursue a settlement over antitrust claims. This now clears the way for, regu- for the regulator, I should say, to file a lawsuit this month. It's according to The Wall Street Journal. The FTC has been examining Amazon's practices, including whether it favors its own products over competitors on its platforms and how it treats third-party sellers. The agency is expected to suggest that Amazon makes structural remedies that could lead to a breakup of the company. We'll see how far uh, the FTC gets on any of this and whether a judge uh, is going to agree. Of course, in this case, this goes back to the issue of Pricing, meaning pricing for the customer, uh, versus benefiting potentially third parties who have been uh, frustrated and upset about what what happens on the platform and whether they get the the same logistics. Yeah, having to use the logistics there, whether they're getting uh, fair placement, other stuff gets put over it. The thing I thought was weird at first is that Amazon wouldn't give any concessions with the lawyers, and then I kind of thought about it a little bit. Didn't help Microsoft at all. They were willing to give every concession in the world with the deal they wanted to get through. So maybe if that's the case, if you give all these concessions and it doesn't work, maybe that's the case for saying, forget it, we're not going to make concessions if we're going to wind up in court you know, when Jay Clayton or others are on talk about Lena Khan, it, it, it's almost like it might be futile. If you look at what they're going to challenge almost everything. So what should the response be from someone that they challenge? You, you almost feel like, look, it's going to happen to me anyway. I'm not even going to say it's meritless can, and I'm not going to offer any concessions. And if you offer concessions, that becomes the new starting point for the negotiations. That's the problem with any of these things. Because at first I thought it was really weird that they wouldn't offer any concessions. But the more I thought about it, the more it was like, okay. It just weakens your open. Well, it can't be anything worse than, than offering concessions and then, and then telling doesn't them help anyone. Anyway. You know you're going to yeah. wind up. The other piece is I think you have to determine that they, ought, that they have some kind of serious monopoly-like power in the business before you could make an argument right. effectively around how you treat 
sellers on your platform or at your store. So if I opened a store, Becky opened a store just on the corner here, and she treated certain people better than others, that unto itself is not actually, there's nothing illegal about that. Right. Now, if Becky's store or your store, Joe, happens to be the only store in the world, that might be a problem. But on, in truth, even electronically now between Walmart and Walmart Plus now you can do and Amazon, it's not so clear that they have the dominant sort of share of the entire market. Look, I, I love Amazon. I'm a Prime member. I can understand being frustrated as a vendor who supplies oh, to them because I, I everything get it. I've ever bought, like I, I, I bought Ruffle Butts right. bathing suits for my kid. I, I buy them all the time. You would think that'd be the first thing they offer me. Now they offer me knockoffs first. And right. I tried them. They're lousy knockoffs. But Amazon does that with every single thing you do. And that's what Walmart used to do, too, and probably still does to this day. Remember, people would complain but, uh, religiously right, about like, having to go down to Walmart, feeling like they were being, you know, squeezed to the bone. Right. And take it or leave it because they were so much of the market right. and still are. But I, I think you're probably right. It's going to be a, a tough bar to say, OK, they're the only. Right. This is now. the only game in town. Right. Uh, let's stick for a moment, though, with the big tech uh, and regulation issue of the moment, because uh, we have some news out uh, just in the last hour from the European Commission. It's designating 22 core businesses of six companies as, quote, gatekeepers of online services. And this goes to the issue um, of how much power a company may or may not have. Amazon, by the way, is on this list. Others on the list are Alphabet, uh, Apple, Meta, Microsoft, and TikTok owner ByteDance. The move stems from the EU's new Digital Markets Act, which came into effect late last year. Companies with more than 45 million monthly active users and a market cap above $82 billion are considered gatekeepers. Businesses with that label be required to make their message apps operable with rivals and let users decide which apps to pre-install on their devices. A bit of a different issue, but nonetheless, that's a little bit more in the sort of app store and sort of how things are um, interoperable category. But you could, you, could offer, you could argue that Amazon clearly is one of, you know, two or three companies that are, quote, gatekeepers of sorts. It's not, it's not so, such a stretch to say that they have market power. It's just the question is, how much market power do they, do they have? And, and ultimately, who's the beneficiary of all this? I mean, to, to become a monopoly litigator or, or someone who's really good in your field, it takes a long time because it, I, it's, it's nuanced. Like, I think of Apple as one big monopoly. It, but are they doing bad things? Maybe. Sometimes, maybe. Are they being anti-competitive? But are they really good and offer me exactly what I want in a million different, say, do you, do you, in a million different <laughs> ways? Do, do they deserve to have the lion's share of my business. So they do. I, that's why it's really hard. And depending on where you are politically, I think it matters on what you think is a monopoly and what you think isn't a, isn't a monopoly. So I'm glad people, <laughs> I'm glad you go to school for a long time to be able to see what the law and what precedent actually says about monopoly. Because you could, any, we have great company. They're all monopolies, our U.S. companies. And if I was in the EU, I'd be mad, too. It's like, God, these guys, they eat our lunch across the board with everything that, that they do. But is there bad behavior involved, illegal behavior involved to get to where as they we, are? As we've long talked about, it is actually not illegal to be a monopoly. People forget that's this. What I, I think that's a good point. That's a it's good point. It's, it's nice it's to be a monopoly. how you got there. It, just, it could be illegal to get, there as a, to get there or to keep it. And how you keep your monopoly. It's usually right. keeping it that gets the That's probably a good problem. point, yeah. Because yeah. there's always going to be pe people. Competition. Because your margins are so high when you're a monopoly, you're going to have people trying to, to, to get a piece of that. Right. So that makes sense. 
I mean, Squawk Box, I, I think of, as, you know, when we don't do anything anti-competitive, really, do we? Mm. Do we? <laughs> so, but we want to keep our monopoly status, right? Are you willing to bend the rules a little to do that? We have lots of competition, Joe. Lots of competition. Well, we want competition, but it's... No, we have it's, lots of competition. We, oh, you mean like on, online type stuff? In the world, you, you know? Oh, you want competition. You want competition, keeps you humble. Uh, Keeps you humble. I've missed you guys. What happened? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> United Airlines briefly grounded its fleet uh, nationwide yesterday. The company blamed the issue uh, on a software update. It says caused a widespread uh, slowdown in its technology systems. United said that no planes in flight were affected, and the cybersecurity uh, cybersecurity was not a factor. Becky, I, I can, you're a Newark person, Newark yeah. Air. Mm-hmm. United thinks it's fine to just send you, to leave out of C and, and return to A. They have no problem with oh, that. Oh, I've done no. that. I've, I've, I've had that happen. And, and A's new. A's new and A's there's new. no monorail condition big. yet. It's so. big. It's new. It's fancy. I, I it's, it's cool. Free. Right. It's good. But you, you go out of C, park there, and you come back to A, and, and they go, go hey, A, like, sorry. Good luck back. And it's a long walk. You used to be able to walk. Oh, you can possibly walk. You no. can't walk it for now. And if you get your bags, you're out of security already, so you can't use the, the AirTran to get over there. Yeah. It's an they issue, especially if you come in later when the when the shuttle service isn't really running it, all that frequently. You're, you're it takes over an getting hour. to okay. where your car is can take as long it's as your all flight. The shuttle and security stuff you're talking about. They have well, that at the airport. Well, yeah, you can go between no. if you don't. Leave. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, if you don't. Well, leave at Teterboro, we don't have that, so oh. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> you about. You don't. I don't. I don't understand you, these. You issues. don't have any of that. No, I know that. Yeah. We have, no, but you want to talk about a monopoly. That would be United at Newark. United at Newark. That's a joke, folks, by yeah. the way. A yes. joke. And she did laugh, but anyway. I, it I helped. It. Thank you. Yes. But most people know that in every joke, there's some truth. <laughs> Next on Squawk Pod, a meeting between the Anti-Defamation League and ex-CEO and former ad executive Linda Yaccarino prompted a viral, hateful hashtag on the platform. ADL President Jonathan Greenblatt explains his relationship with Elon Musk and the drama unfolding on what once was Twitter. Did she say to you that advertisers weren't coming back because you were telling them not No, to? I didn't hear that at all. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is Squawk Pod. Stand Joe by. Stand by to wipe up to him in five seconds. Four, three, two, wipe up to him. His mic. Cue. 
Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick uh, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. After the hashtag ban, the ADL went viral on X, of course, formerly known as Twitter. Elon Musk blaming the Anti-Defamation League now for causing advertising revenue loss by accusing him and the platform of being anti-Semitic. Musk threatened to sue the ADL for defamation if it continues. He said that the ADL was responsible for the company losing 20 uh, $2 billion in value. Joining us right now is Jonathan Greenblatt, Anti-Defamation League's CEO. Good morning to you. Um, I thought you had a, a, a decent relationship with Elon Musk. We've had a number of conversations over the last uh, several months where you've come on and been supportive. So what, what, what happened here? Well, so let's step back, right? So I had a meeting last week with Linda Yaccarino, the new CEO of Twitter, right. right, at her request. And we had a very frank and productive conversation. I tweeted afterwards about that fact that we had a frank and productive conversation, as I've had with Elon Musk in the past. And then that triggered a number of white supremacists to organize this hashtag campaign, ban the ADL. And you've got to understand, and we're used to this at the ADL, we regularly get attacked by the right and the left, but this campaign went viral very quickly with white supremacists, you know, hardened anti-Semites and other people spreading it across the service. And it literally was a trending topic over the course of the weekend. Do you fundamentally believe that Elon Musk is anti-Semitic? I have never said Elon Musk is anti-Semitic. I've been on this show and said that I didn't think he was anti-Semitic. And I don't think Twitter as a platform is anti-Semitic. And as we've said here, hate speech is the price of free speech. But let's acknowledge that when Elon Musk and the platform bring people, hardened anti-Semites, back on, when they validate their rantings, when they algorithmically amplify them and allow it to spread. Like, Andrew, here's the thing. I have to deal with, as the head of the ADL, the real-world consequences. So just put this in context. In the last few years, we've seen a historic rise of anti-Semitic acts of harassment, vandalism, and violence. Over the past month, we've seen dozens and dozens of swattings of synagogues, bomb threats against Jewish institutions. This past weekend, we had Nazis march out in the open in Florida. It looked like a scene from Charlottesville. So the truth is, is that our community is vulnerable. People are on edge. And when Elon Musk is amplifying these people, like it's very problematic. How out there are you publicly and behind the scenes talking to advertisers? and telling them, do not advertise on this platform. Are you doing that? We are not out there publicly or privately talking to advertisers. They will make the decisions that they want to. Frankly, it's true, we did call for a pause back in November after the acquisition. And then since then, since that initial statement, what we are doing is engaging with the management of the company, trying to help them make it better. Have you had any conversations with Linda Yaccarino since this weekend? We've exchanged this- text messages. And what like, is it? Look, it's hard for me to understand exactly what's happening over there. I understand they have a big business problem. I mean, Elon tweeted something I didn't know, that the advertising revenue is down 60 percent. But look, brands are big boys and girls. They will make their own decisions. I mean, let's be clear here. Like, this is the wealthiest man in the world running one of the most powerful media platforms on the planet. We're a nonprofit 
here in New York. So I think figuring out like who has the power in this relationship is pretty clear to me. Jonathan, how, 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 how do you do, rectify these two things? Zero tolerance for anti-Semitism. Sure. Zero tolerance for diluting the First Amendment. How do you, what, how do, you do it? How do, you can't. Because it, it, well, I think there are things you can do, right? So I think you can choose to, to amplify or de-amplify what about, certain phrases should, and statements. Should, should crazy white supremacist Nazis be able to march? Well, of course they should be able okay, to march. Okay, so they should the be able ADL to march. The defended the right but of just Nazis to march in Skokie. Right, that's, but, maybe that's, that's, but it seems like it's come along. Uh, but maybe they shouldn't march right in front of the synagogue on a Saturday morning. Right. Like, there are ways we can have free speech. Right. And open dialogue. By the way, free speech for everything unless it's costing me advertising revenue. Well, look, maybe Elon has his own view of free speech. I, I can't right. explain well, what's going ask, on in When you in spoke to Linda Yaccarino yeah. in person, what did you speak about? We talked about what she's trying to do with the platform right. and what they want to do in terms of make it a safe place, a better place, a healthier place for advertisers, for users. And I deeply agree with that. That's a better thing, not just for her right. and the business. It's a better thing for the world. If Twitter, this really important But then service, I'm trying to understand where, 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 the, where the hate came in. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hate out there, unfortunately, uh, and I'm Jewish, so I, I feel that. But, there's a, but the hate that, that Elon Musk seemed to direct towards you. Yeah. And I'm trying to understand what might have happened at that it, meeting it, or it, not. Right. And I wonder how much Look, is... It was some a, of it's Jonathan Greenblatt related, not ADL related, I think, isn't it? I don't know. Like, I'm not running a fan club here. My job is to keep <laughs> Jewish people safe. Oh, right, right, exactly. Right? And it's really disturbing. Because right. we had a frank and productive conversation. And in fact, right. not only did I tweet it out positively, she replied to my tweet. But did she say to you that advertisers weren't coming back because you were telling them not no, to? No, I didn't hear that no. at all. I can't explain that. Because, again, we're not, I'm not engaged in a dialogue with advertisers about Twitter. What I am engaged with is keeping Jewish right. people safe. That's what ADL is were doing you seeking, seven days I, of the can week. Can I ask a, a question? Because sure. I know this has been a critique of, 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 of your organization and, is, and of many. Were you seeking to have some kind of either role at Twitter or any kind of uh, donations made or other things? No. I only say that because there have been folks who've looked at these situations and felt that they were being sh you know, shaken down. Look, I think, l let, let me be honest about that, right? I think it is a sort of anti-Semitic trope to suggest when Jewish people express uh, a degree of outrage over anti-Semitism, that somehow that's a shakedown because Jews are greedy. That sounds and I, to me... I'm, and I, and look, I'm not I'm Jewish, saying so you I'm believe not, I'm not even that. trying to. I'm, I'm just saying that that is the... Occasionally look, you hear the critique... Uh, among uh, not-for-profits in certain cases that are involved in certain causes that talk to companies, and they, you, you hear it from, from, from know, leaders who say, I feel like I'm... I hear that, but you, like you my view on all of this, we've talked about this before right. on this show, I don't believe in, and this is really to you, Joe, I don't believe in cancel culture, I believe in council culture. So someone right. makes a mistake, you help them fix it. So what we've tried to do over the years with Twitter, right. with YouTube, with Facebook and all of its platforms, with Reddit, with Discord, right. I could go on and on, is to work right. with them to make those platforms I'm just trying better. to understand what led to this, wherever we, whatever's happening here. That well, was why I asked. Well, that. again, I think Elon's a complicated person. I can't explain what prompted those tweets. But what I can see is the spread of toxic anti-Semitism. And by the way, don't take my word for it. Just look at this hashtag campaign. Right. Look at what people are posting. See what they are saying. It's ugly and at a time when Jewish people are vulnerable. We have the Jewish holidays of Rosh Hashanah in a few weeks. Right. People are on edge. I think we've got to keep them safe and that means not amplifying and intensifying 
anti-Jewish hate. Jonathan, I want to thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, Squawk Box, come right back after this. Okay, folks, we told you not to go anywhere for a reason. Cheese will be next. Coming up. The GOAT, is he coming out of retirement? Delta Airlines adding a new player. I gave you a little hint. Delta Airlines and an NFL great teaming up. Delta CEO Ed Bastian. Whether you're winning seven Super Bowl championships or you're America's most awarded airline, the thing that we both share in common, we know, is that we're only as good as our next achievement. And former quarterback Tom Brady. If there's a man that understands how to deal with adversity, you know, Ed does that better than anybody else. Plus, a tribute to Jimmy Buffett. Wasting away again in Berkshire Hathawayville. We'll be right back. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. And today, we have some surprises around the Squawk set. Here's Becky Quick. The moment you've all been waiting for. We can now actually unveil the special guests that are joining us on set. Our Phil Delta CEO Ed Bastian, and former NFL great, still great, the greatest of all time, in fact, Tom Brady. Phil, take it away. Well, I'm, these two guys are here in New York because you're announcing a, a, a partnership here that I think is, is different. This is not a celebrity endorsement, brand endorsement, where you're endorsing doing commercials for Delta. This, you're bringing him in to talk about leadership. Explain this relationship. Well, great to be here and really great to be with Tom. And we are announcing today a unique, one-of-a-kind partnership with the greatest of all time who has delivered consistently on the largest stages in the world for many, many years. Bringing him into the Delta team, we've signed a long-term agreement for, Delta, for uh, Tom to be a strategic advisor to Delta because our team needs that continued inspiration. We're on the top, but we want to keep climbing. We want so you're to talking growing. about leadership. He's yeah. not just coming in and saying, hey, folks, Delta's great. We're, we're gonna, He's going to talk about various topics and how to apply leadership in terms of improving your performance, the company's performance. This, this is not a sponsorship. Yes, Tom will obviously be representing the brand, and you know he's, he's awesome at it. But what I'm more excited is he's going to come inside the company. And he's going to be talking to our people about greatness, about resilience, about excellence, about performance in a team sport. He played the greatest, with the greatest teams in the world. I think we run the greatest team in the airline space in the world. And putting our two brands together, magic's going to happen. What, what did you think, Tom, when he approached you about this? Well, I think getting to know Ed and the type of leader that he is, uh, he has unbelievable command, uh, incredible work ethic. And I think his vision and leadership over a long period of time has elevated the, the brand to, incredible, uh, to an incredible place. So very fortunate to join the team and working with all the employees and, you know, continue to help inspire people to, you know, grow great communities and, and teams of people and companies. And uh, I've been very fortunate over the years to be a part of a lot of those. And I think in this next chapter of my life to continue to do things like that is really, you know, stimulates my own personal growth in a lot of ways. And I'm excited to share uh, a lot of the lessons. I've when learned. we were upstairs, you were talking with Ed and I and you said, you know, there's, there's a lot of examples where there's not good leadership in whatever venue, whatever area, whether it's business, politics, you name it, different areas right now. Do you feel like you have an insight 
given your history, whether it's with the Patriots and then the Buccaneers, et cetera, to, to pinpoint pretty quickly, like, yeah, this works, this doesn't work when it comes to leadership. Sure. I think, you know, sports are such an interesting uh, aspect of life for all of us. It's, it's one of the few things that brings so many communities together, groups of people together in stadiums. We fill up stadiums. It's, you know, kickoff weekend and, and all these stadiums around the country are going to be full. And the reason why they're showing up is because they want to see people succeed at the highest level and they want to see the great coaches and they want to see the great players. And a lot of that teamwork comes from, you know, it all, I always believe it always starts at the top. And I've been part of organizations that have great leadership, that, uh, that, that great, give great information to, to the people, that can inspire the, the athletes to maximize their opportunity and their potential. So I think, you know, for me to, to, to live this in a different way and to join a different team is really fun for me. And, and there's no better partner to have than Ed, you know, to see how he's dealt with adversity over the course of his career, you know, what he did in COVID and how, you know, his leadership really took this incredibly difficult situation where it springboarded him now into, uh, you know, different opportunities of growth for the company. So all these things are exciting for me. You know, I've got, I think, a, a, a long second career ahead and is a great way to kick it off. On the field leader, does the QB take over at that point from the from the coach, I mean, it, it was really your job to, yeah. to get the, the maximum out of everybody else on the sure. field. You yeah. felt that. Once that call is in the, in the game, you're in charge. And I think everyone's trusting you to, to make the right decisions out there. And there's a lot that goes into, you know, those little moments of making great decisions or not. You've got to kind of put, put continuous pressure on yourself to be ready in that moment. Yeah. You know, and they trust you and, they, and you can in, inspire them. But then I was thinking about your, your pre- game everything you did before you were you were out on the field and yeah, that yeah. you could probably tell people in business you got to do that too you can't just wing it when you come in right and, and you nobody prepared yeah. that's why you how old are you now you, 46 and you i think of you i'm surprised you're not going to be and you could be i think if you you don't want to yeah. now but but that had a lot to do with your longevity too i think for all of us you know preparation is is ultimately a huge part of the reason why we're successful or not successful and I think the more you know what you're going up against and the more you know the competition, the, the, know you, the more you know your teammates, you know, the better opportunity you have to succeed in the moment because all these decisions are happening in the moment. You guys come on live TV every day. There's no opportunity for mistakes. Everything's a big challenge. You better be prepared. You better know your subjects. You better. You We've know. never lost anyone, though. No one's ever died. So it's, yeah. not, it's not that important. Could you ever, yes. see, yourself, could you ever <laughs> see yourself, by the way, coaching a team? I don't think I mean, that. You're, you're now coaching yeah. a corporate team. Yeah, coaching I think there's different. Yeah. yeah. I think there's different areas to. to um, you know, it's really about information. It's really about teamwork. And I think, you know, leadership to me is always do you care about your teammates and do you care about what you're trying to accomplish? If only you care about yourself. In my mind, that's never going to create okay, a great culture. What do you culture. do about on a team, on a, on a sports team? If you have a weak player, you can trade them out sometimes. Or, or do you think that you can actually inspire the weaker player to actually be a better player? Well, it's interesting because for me as a quarterback, I didn't have the responsibility to trade players. I had to get along with everybody. You know, they they decided who was in the locker room. They decided who sat next to you. You know, I had the same spot in Patriot locker room for a lot of years. I never decided who came and sat next to me. So whoever did sit next to me, I had to figure out, all right, how do I relate to this person? How do I get along with this person? And how do we find things that, are, that, that we care about that are similar so that we can connect? You know, so much is about relationship, is about relatability. And I think my standpoint from always leadership was not how can they uh, enjoy the things that I want to talk about. It was more along the lines of how can I connect with them to figure out the things that these guys enjoy so that I can relate to them. And I think that always created a really great relationship I had with my teammates. And, 
you know, we all cared about each other. We cared about what we were trying to achieve. We put a lot of work. We, there was a lot of, um, I, I don't know, sacrifice the word. There was a lot of commitment made to the team goal. And I think when you do that and you, then you experience a lot of success, ultimately that's to me what life's about. You know, you're going you're gonna to experience a lot of success. You're going to experience a lot of adversities. And when you, when you deal with adversities, who's there to support you? Who's there to help you fall back on difficult moments? Because everyone's going to be there when there's success. And I think if there's a man that understands how to deal with adversity, you know, Ed does that better than anybody else. Let me, let me ask you one question. You can maybe put this into context with Delta, too. Um, you apparently, I, I read that when Texas Christian lost, over the weekend to Colorado, you reached out to Sanders, the quarterback, and you texted him three words. You said, don't be satisfied. That's obviously your motto. How do you live that now? What do you do with that at Delta? How would you tell people in a corporate environment to to listen to that? I think it's a great point. I think, and and we're, Phil and I were talking upstairs a little bit about, you know, how to sustain success over a period of time is is challenging. And I think even, you know, you have this big season over that Colorado, Colorado had, and it's a very you know, it's, it's one particular game, and it was great that they started that way. But in the end, there's a long season ahead. You know, you guys may have one great day, but do you have five great days? And those five great days turn into a great month. And is that great whoa, month? Whoa, 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 whoa. For Colorado, that it, it wasn't. I mean, that, <laughs> well, sports are a little different. I mean, it's been like know? 40 years. Listen, yeah. I mean, just let, let it sink in before we say it was just a one-off. Or well, something. I just meant that particular I know, game. I, I think the reality is, is you've got to do it over that's a period my of time. I went there. That's just, what we're all yeah. trying to achieve. We're all trying to achieve success with our teams. We're all trying to achieve success in our businesses. And the only way to do it is to be really consistent with the right processes to, to get you the opportunity to succeed because competition's tough. I know and why you're here, but can, can we, we only got about two minutes. Can we talk a little bit about the, about the upcoming season? Is that, is that possible? Sure. The parity is pretty good, don't you think, right now? There's a lot of, of good teams. And I ask you off camera, the quarterback you, you're, you think has some really raw talent. No one's ever going to win as many Super Bowl. I don't. I think that's like Pete Rose's record. That's never going to yeah. be. Your record's not going to be. Do you think, can it be done again? It's going to take a lot. I mean, I know what I put into it. I think if someone else is willing to put that into it, um, I have a lot of respect for that because it was a big challenge. It's, but there's it's luck, like, enough, not luck, but the ball, the, the, you know, so things have to happen. The right a lot of time. It, yeah, a, a lot, lot of things fortune. that you can't control. All yeah. the serendipitous. It, it's amazing. But, but, but then again, it was you that did it. I mean, it was us. It yeah. was us. us. Like, any, you know, like any great team, it's everybody. You said there's, Mahomes. I think Patrick's phenomenal. And I think there's Joe Burrow. Joe's an incredible player. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a great player here for the Jets. That's going to be fun, great right? Mornings to, it's going to be fun. Yeah, so I think, you know. And he's a be, young guy. Aaron he's Rogers. younger than I am, for sure, <laughs> but he's, you know, 18th or 19th or something like that. He's had a lot of consistent level of, uh, of success, too. He's an amazing player. Ed, how'd you come up with the idea to bring him in? Well, we've gotten to know each other over the course of the last year, and, and we were talking and trying to figure out where we could collaborate. Because Tom is leaving his old career and joining the corporate world, the business world, trying to find opportunities for his next team that he wanted to join. And as we talked, the one thing that got me about Tom is he talks about doing things the right way. Everything with Tom is doing things. That's why the Patriots were so successful. They did things the right way, consistently. Everybody was in. It was one way, and it was the right way. And that's what we need to be doing. At our, we're, we're still recovering from COVID. We all talk about the difficulty of the travel experience. You guys were talking about it a little bit this morning. And we need to continue to elevate the bar. Because when I think about our brand, our brand stands for three things. It's welcoming, it's caring, and it's an elevated experience. And Delta so does, does that better than anybody. does he talk to all of the troops at He's Delta, talking to or all, is it just all, for your leadership? All, 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 all of our team. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be in Atlanta. We have our big mid-year leadership meeting, 1,000 people or more. 
Tom's going to be with me. We're going to be talking about it. Because what Tom brings is that what elevated means. You know, he's performed at the highest levels. You know, operational excellence, resilience in, in uh, performance, you know, making certain you can differentiate your experience to your customers better than anybody. And whether you're winning seven Super Bowl championships or you're America's most awarded airline, the thing that we both share in common, we know, is that we're only as good yeah. as our next achievement. Can he fly commercial, though? That's the question. Can you yeah. get him through JFK? How is this going to work? We, we, we can get him through Wait, JFK. Can we he? Also, we also can get I mean, him, we also can can get him through Can he? Why would he? Well, he's got wheels up. Would, would, he, he, would, he, yeah, would he fly commercial? Why would he? I mean, this is a good gig. Tom, have, have you ever thought of, of a CNBC contributor role? Is that... Uh, Are you offering me a job? <laughs> yes. Are you responsible yeah. for that, Joe? I can... He knows some people. The, we, I can, he knows I can some broach, people. I can broach the I don't the know subject, how that works, though. He, with, he met with, his, with his weekend, he with his weekend gig. Too, He's got his weekend sure. gig. But then... I you know, you know what? I love weekends, watching you guys. You obviously have great chemistry between you guys, and you're a great show to have on in the morning at the gym to, you know, kind of kickstart the day. So you guys oh do a God. great job, too. Save the you tape. Oh, oh, there, there you go. go. That's what there you go. That's why everyone's we're watching. rolling on that. I, yeah, I guess exactly. we're rolling on everything, aren't we? Good. Let's, let's cut that. This, is, this has been awesome. So tomorrow night, who do you like? I guess Patrick again. He's pretty tough to beat. You know, I think they got a lot of great things. You know, when we say leadership starts at the top, they have a really good owner. They have a really good head coach. They've got a great quarterback. They've got a good general manager. They have a lot of pieces in place. It's hard to be successful in the NFL if you don't have a lot of the key areas that impact the organization. So You could have done something with Kelsey, too, couldn't you? If he was, uh, I don't know exactly what happened. I mean, no one's yeah. you know, too yeah. forthcoming with injuries, but anytime right. someone hurts a knee, I don't Joe really wants, like that. Joe wants you for his fantasy dress. Yes, exactly. What do you thought about My this? son hey, called me know. yesterday morning, and he's got Kelsey on his team. He's like, Dad, Kelsey, hyper-extended me. I'm like texting him, what are we doing? He's like, do I need to trade out of this? And it's just a great moment. I mean, that's what, it's all, that's what football season University is all of about. Cincinnati. All about. University of Cincinnati. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Michigan. When you came out, no one knew. No one knew. Did they? No. Yeah, no one knew. No one knew. I think, yeah, I think like any of it. Did you know? I had a degree of confidence based on, um, you know, I had a unique story from, you know, the time where I started playing football in, in high school to – the time I got to the pro level. There was a, a lot of competition I had through high school and college, which I was very lucky to have. I think it built a lot of resilience that you talked about. You don't build resilience through everyone telling you how great you are. Right. And I think that there's a real challenge to a lot of the I kids these days. Were you able to do that? I was able to, to That's build unbelievable. even with everyone yeah. coming. Yeah. How about the humility? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I know. How about Daniel Jones? He can come around, don't you think, or no? He's got a good coach. I think, you know, a lot of it's like, look, how great oh, are we going to go? go? All right, all right, all right. This is like Colorado winning. This doesn't happen very often. Wasting away again in Berkshire Hathawayville. That's the late singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett. You can see uh, what he's doing here. That was at the 2007 Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholder meeting. No, the pirate poet was not related to the Oracle of Omaha, but Warren Buffett, the Berkshire Hathaway chairman and CEO, and Jimmy Buffett, the musician, were longtime friends who happened to share a last name. Jimmy got to know the late Doris Buffett, Warren's sister, back in the 1980s when she was working on a genealogy project. The two of them traveled to the South Pacific to an island where the Buffett name is common. And even though, though they found out there was no shared DNA, there was a shared investment in Berkshire stock. At Doris's urging, Jimmy first purchased some 25 years ago when the Class A shares were trading at around $1,200 a share. That eventually grew to his work with Forest River, which is a Berkshire Hathaway company, designing pontoon boats that are pretty cool. We've seen them. 
I actually spoke to Jimmy Buffett during the 2022 Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting about running the Margaritaville brand and what he's learned from his sort of cousin, Warren Buffett, about business. You know, uh, the entertainment business hasn't been known for people to actually uh, look at the business side of it uh, for a long time. That was all taken care of by managers and agents and stuff. But I also was a reporter for Billboard magazine in my earlier years when nothing was happening. And I learned from my editor, Bill Williams, that uh, that what the music business and how that was stacked up, it was pretty much against the artists uh, of, of having any kind of uh, investment in the companies themselves. So as a reporter then and knowing Warren, uh, I just wanted to, to take care of my interests as I went forward. And it started with buying my own piano to take on the road as opposed to uh, letting the uh, promoter charge you uh, two or three times the price of a piano uh, he, that he would get. <laughs> so that started the piano. Warren Buffett said he never knew anybody who didn't like Jimmy. And he said he never heard Jimmy say an unkind word about anybody, publicly or privately. Warren said that that is something he truly admired in him, but uh, he wasn't looking to convert himself to the practice. Yes, in, in thinking back on, on the song that really made him famous in Margarita, but were margaritas really po popular before then? They definitely became, and in my life, became a big part of, yeah. of what I, I mean, that's my, my drink of choice. Was it just as popular? Do, Do we credit Margaritaville for that? I don't know. And, and you know who he wrote the song for, or the song was originally written for? Yeah. Elvis. Elvis never sang it. Presley, not Costello. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, but, but think about it, what that song meant to, and the whole, no, Margaritaville, it's kind of silly, almost. Well, uh, they, they have Margaritaville. Oh, yeah. Retirement he became a magnate. Where you live he became, now. It's his entire brand to, of things that go through it. And 76, you know, I know you think that's like a total geezer, but it's really yeah. like primal Young life. Man. It's yeah. really primal life. It and is. It's, uh, it's un unfortunate. And, um, but, yeah, I was just thinking about that. How, that, that, how if it had been Elvis, not Jimmy Buffett, would we even be talking about Jimmy Buffett? That was such a huge part of, uh, of okay. launching him to, and, and to he, superstar. He his, yeah, and he launched superstar. his career pretty late. I mean, he, he went through a lot of different right. iterations. It, he, I think he was almost 40 before he really hit it big. It was about 40 years ago. Guys like him or I even think of Kenny Chesney, if your entire career is based on like tropical places, that's a good way to, uh, to be associated. To with, and and you, that's where you are all the time with this drum. That's what Warren pointed out drums. is that Jimmy never lost a fan. He, he built yep. more and more fans over the years. He like sometimes the move, music kind of moves away from a singer, yeah. and, but he's got young fans. He's got older fans. He never lost a fan through any of it. Um, Jimmy Buffett died over the Labor Day weekend, as Joe mentioned, at the age of 76. We're going to take you out on a song that he played to honor the life of Doris Buffett. But the message is pretty fitting today, too. This one's for you. It's been a lovely crew. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.